Welcome into the JMBU Weekly Wrap-Up. I am Bobby Levine. Alongside me is, of course, Jackson Schroeder. How's everybody doing out there? It is probably the most action-packed week ever. As I speak, Addison Russell hits a grand slam, and the Cubs are up right now 7 to nothing in the third inning against the Cleveland Indians. I could smell seven-game series coming. Everyone in Cleveland has a dumbfounded face of what just happened. Not only do we have the Game 7 possibly coming up tomorrow, we have the college football playoff that just came out. NFL is halfway done, and we got a little bit of NBA to dive into. But first, we have to talk about the newest thing out. Just two hours ago, the college football playoff rankings came out for the first time since last year. And, of course, Alabama as at one, excuse me, number two, Clemson, Michigan at three, and a lot of question marks and eyebrows were raised when number four, the Texas A&M Aggies at 7-1 and one come in in front of the number five uh, Washington Huskies and then seven, the Louisville Cardinals. Ohio State is at six, and a lot of people are questioning at Penn State at 12. What do you have? What are your questions? What are you excited about? Jackson, talk to me. Um, well, Alabama's obviously your number one. That's set in stone as of right now. I think it's interesting that they have Clemson jumping Michigan. I don't really see any reason for that. Michigan has played a harder Big Ten schedule up to this point than Clemson has, with maybe an exception of the Louisville game. Um, that's interesting to me, but not quite as interesting as Texas A&M at four. Jumping 8-0 Washington – I like this move, but I think it's a little biased here towards the SEC. I, I, I don't see any reason to give Texas A&M the edge over an undefeated Washington team just because Texas A&M's only loss was to Alabama. It was still a decently big loss. You can't, and Washington's been beating teams up. They only won by seven uh, last week against Utah, but Utah's a talented, probably the second best team in the Pac-10 right now, and. Um, Ohio State and Louisville, that, that makes sense to me, right, sitting at 6-7. and seven. I think it's interesting, though. Washington doesn't deserve to be sitting at 5. A couple things I want to note on before everyone starts jumping ship and freaking out. Everyone's on this every single year. The initial college football playoff that came out two years ago, the first one ever, Mississippi State was number one, Florida State was number two, Auburn was three, Ole Miss was four. There was three out of the four teams were SEC schools. The only team that was in the SEC was Florida State. They ended up making the inaugural uh, college football playoff. But check this stat out. Those teams going into that inaugural college football playoff ranking were 27-2. and two. Since then to right now, those teams combined are 17-15. and 15. A lot of things will change from here to the end of the season. A&M, obviously, if they win out, they're going to be still – Trying to hold on to that four seed, Washington, Ohio State could possibly jump them if they went out with being a conference champion. A lot of things will happen. It's just the first one to come out right now as, as the season sits today. They are technically the fourth best team, which I can agree on because they have the best loss out of the entire college football playoff world right now. Washington's schedule has nothing to do with anything A&M has faced all year. Um, one last thing before I switch it off to you, Jackson, is the thing I love about the college football playoff is it's not like the AP. They don't have teams that aren't or don't even have a chance to make the pl- college football playoff even in the conversation. Penn State is 12. In my opinion, them and LSU at 13 are the two last teams that have a chance of making this football playoff with two losses. Florida has a chance of winning the SEC with one loss, and everyone ahead of them also. 
All the teams below them, though, are completely out of it, in my opinion. That's why they have Baylor and Oklahoma State there, where if you look at the uh, college, uh, the, the AP, they got those those teams all around the uh, 17 to 20 range. So, in my opinion, I love the college football playoff. I always have every single week. It's always intriguing to see every all the fans freak out. But I do enjoy and like what they have right now, one through four. Uh, well, I agree to an extent, but the college football uh, playoff rankings, in my opinion, and how I've always seen them, is if right now the season ended, those are the top four teams that they would have in there. And that's what it's supposed to be, and I understand that. I would more so understand um, Texas A&M jumping Washington in the AP poll because they could be a better team than Washington. That would make sense but to look, me. Look at the but AP. in the college football playoff rankings, they if, they, if the committee – chose those four teams right now uh texas a&m squad over washington that doesn't make sense and it also doesn't make sense because alabama and texas a&m if they they won't it's impossible for both of those teams to be in the in the um college football playoffs at the end of the year and i think the committee knows that it's uh if alabama wins the sec championship they will be the team going texas a&m will not so here's the, here's the deal. Obviously, I understand what you're saying. A&M and, and Alabama will not make the college football playoff combined. And I know you said the season ended right now, but the college football committee understands that there's still a lot of football to be played, and that's what they have right now. Next week, it's going to be completely switched over again. There's some marquee matchups this coming week. One game that I have circled and have had circled for a while now is that primetime slot with Alabama and LSU. LSU has had this game circled. I mean, every obviously every year they have that game circled. But Leonard Fournette is finally back healthy. He has been going off as recently. The last game he played, he had over 270 yards on the ground. He was averaging 17.5 uh, yards per carry. He had three touchdowns in that win against Old Miss. Alabama, should they be worried? Well, I think this is Alabama's biggest test yet, except for Texas A&M. This LSU team is dangerous. They entered the season ranked fifth in the country, lost to a very good Wisconsin team. That loss looks better every single week. Also, their only other loss came from Auburn in week four. Auburn is doing great things, and they, they're, uh, they're sitting at 6-2 um, and two overall, and 5-2, and two, excuse me, and... The the two losses for LSU, they look a lot better than they did at the beginning of the season. When they played these two teams, they were both unranked. Now they're both ranked teams. This LSU team is dangerous. When Leonard Fournette gets on his game, the Tigers can beat anyone, including Alabama. Do I think Alabama will lose this game? Definitely not. I think Alabama will handle this game by more than the 7.5-point spread. Um, Alabama's just too good. But LSU... Could give them a run for their money, but Alabama pulls away late. Yeah, which I love about the LSU schedule coming up late is that Florida game got postponed because of the hurricane that came through earlier last month in October. You look at it now, they push that game back. Leonard Fournette is now completely healthy. The team is gelling at the right time. They still have to play the number one team in the nation with Alabama. If they win that, that will be the biggest win in all of college football to date this year. The committee would love that. They still have to play Florida, and that game was supposed to be in Gainesville. Now it got switched to playing at LSU at night, and then they have to go on the road the last game of the season and play at A&M. That could be possibly 
three top ten matchups there. Right now, Florida's ranked 11th. And then you got uh, Alabama at night. I mean, these are some mark. I mean, unbelievable matchups for LSU. They can make a huge jump late in the season at only being 13th in the nation. They could be possibly the first two-loss team ever to make the college football playoff. And yet if they if they went out, I have no reason not to put them in there. Well, that's what they always say. It's better to lose early than late, and that really worked out in LSU's advantage. They sit at 13th overall with two losses and a good schedule that if they can knock off those three teams um, in Alabama, Florida, and A&M, then they will find themselves in the college football playoffs as the two-loss team. There's nothing that the committee can argue about that. No, absolutely. I'm agreeing with you 100%. One thing I do like about the committee is they have the Big 12 pretty much marked off. As they should. As they should. Right now, the Big 12 has no undefeated teams left. They had two last week. At the very last week of October, both West Virginia and Baylor lost. Talk about Charlie Strong. This guy, every year, has one win to keep him off the hot seat. This year, I think he had two. One against Notre Dame, and then obviously – Texas rose a little bit and then fell off the map again. And right when you think he's about to get fired, he beats the undefeated Baylor, who was ranked in the top ten at nine last last week in the AP poll. And then that knocks out their second and only undefeated team left as West Virginia also lost. An unbelievable week for the Big 12 in the worst way possible. Oklahoma right now sitting at 14 at the college football playoff is 6-2, and 5-0 in the Big, Big 12. Ohio State beat them. That looks great on their resume. The Big 12 was out of it. It was not even November yet. The Pac-12, in my opinion, has one team left in Washington. We could possibly see two SEC or two Big 10 teams sneak in here. And maybe even if Louisville uh, stays hot, they could be the second ACC team with Clemson in there. Well, I agree. And I do think that Louisville has a good chance of getting in, especially if they beat Houston. Houston has been struggling as of late and uh they don't look like the team that beat Oklahoma early in the season I think if they play that game right now Louisville or excuse me Houston would lose that game um that 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 doesn't go that doesn't really give them an advantage because it would have been a lot better if they would have beat a stronger Houston team late in the season last game of the season actually um but I could see Louisville sneaking in there um they're they're a very good team who can put up insane offensive numbers. The the only struggle for them could possibly be their defense. Teams will lose. Again, teams will move in the top ten. It's a given every single year. Teams will have to play play each other still. Excuse me, Ohio State still has to play at Michigan moving forward. Uh, right now, even this week, Ohio State has to play um, Nebraska. Everyone's looking over that game. Is like Ohio State is going to walk into Columbus later on this uh, month and play Michigan at a top possibly five matchup. Nebraska is sitting at 10 at 7-1. and one. They still have a shot at 10. If they win out, they will definitely be in the college football playoff. If they beat Ohio State, I see them jumping up to six right away. The committee is in love with Ohio State, obviously keeping them up there in the Final Four talk. Um, only one loss in the Big Ten. They still have to play Michigan if they win that West Conference there, uh, West Side Division, excuse me. It would be huge. I mean, the Big Ten right now is seeing the prettiest to get possibly two teams in. Nebraska does win out and then beats Michigan. I could see Nebraska and Michigan both making it. I could see I, – I don't think Nebraska is actually going to make it in. They lost last week. They they actually Barely. played – They played, they really played good. way – they played really good. And I, they played – they exceeded my expectations, truly. Um, 
But I think that Ohio State is going to come back and beat up on Nebraska. I think that JT Barrett has had so much um, smack talk from the media recently about him not being able to run this uh, team right. And and I think that he's going to come back. He's fired up about it. He's going hard in practice this week. He is going to show the country that he is the right quarterback for this team that and that he has he is capable of leading Ohio State big Nebraska I don't I mean they did play well and they they surprised me last week but I still don't give them a viable shot of getting into the college football playoffs I think if the Big Ten has two teams in it's Ohio State and Michigan if Ohio State beats Michigan you're looking at Ohio State at one loss and Michigan at one loss I could see both of those teams being in all right, now looking at this week's slate of games, Jackson, do you have any shakeup in the top 10, the top 15 range? Obviously, there's a couple of matchups in between, but do you see any upsets or any teams winning and moving up higher and jumping other teams? Um, well, I don't I, I don't think so. I think that Arkansas could give Florida a run for their money. Florida sits at 11th right now, but um Florida beat Georgia, who's not good at all this year poor hire with the kirby smart hire uh yeah relax he hasn't he hasn't got his recruits there yet he's gonna be fine i know you're a georgia boy you're wearing a great georgia hat that says sup on it <laughs> but relax he's gonna bring the right guys and just like mark rick at miami they might be falling apart right now but it's not his team the team has given up on him late in the season relax it will come out and work out for you fine uh, we'll see about that i think uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later when the time comes but Florida could lose to Arkansas. Arkansas is a good team that's just been beat up in the SEC West with that hard schedule. They're one and three in the SEC right now, but they're five and three overall. Arkansas could give Florida a run for their money. That could be a big game. Um, another one is Nebraska and Ohio State. I like I said earlier, I see Ohio State winning that game. They're favored by seventeen and a half points. Um, I see Ohio State winning that game big. But that's another one you could look at. And like I said earlier, Alabama will handle LSU even if it goes late into the fourth quarter. All right, I got three games here to keep an eye out for. One, Texas A&M is on the road at Mississippi State. I know it's at 12 o'clock on Saturday. Mississippi State is trash. Just wait, just wait. I know, but it's it's a sandwich game. The week after, they have to play Ole Miss. Uh, That would be A&M playing Ole Miss at home. You never know. The spread is 13-and-a-half. Dak Prescott could suit up again for Mississippi State. <laughs> That's all jokes aside. You never know. I think I think that game could be closer going into the second half. We'll see how good A&M is after they figure out they're in the top four right now. But later on at night, I think Ohio State beats up Nebraska, finally comes together at night. Urban has to get his guys juiced up this week and ready to go. And Pac-12 at dark. California is at home playing Washington. Washington is favored by 16 and a half points. Don't be surprised if that game is very close when you're coming back from the bars, if you're in Athens around 2 o'clock still watching that game, or if you're a regular adult watching that game and, and staying up super past your bedtime. Cal has not looked good all year, but they put up points. Every game they've lost this year, they've lost four. They've put up 40 points in three out of those four games last week that got beat up at USC but they haven't lost two games in a row all year. So I would expect them to come out, and if they do win that game, 
I would expect Ohio State to jump not only Washington after they fall out of the picture, but Texas A&M because that is a top 10 matchup win for Ohio State. Yeah, especially if they beat Nebraska. That that will happen. Cal is a dangerous team. Um, they're one of those teams that is just relies on their offense. They don't have a great defense like a lot of teams in the Pac-12 right now. Um, they, they, they can perform week in and week out. They've got a good rec- receiving core. Um, it just depends on how they show up and how Washington shows up as well. They will be, um, they will be at home, so that will help them. Um, I don't see Washington losing this game, but I could see it be a high being a high scoring game. I don't see this California defense shutting down Washington's uh, attack on offense at all. They're too good, putting up seventy points in games. I, I don't see the Cal Cal stopping them. All right, we're going to switch gears from college football as everything could be shaking up here in the upcoming week to the MLB. Right now we are in Game 6 of the World Series. The Chicago Cubs lead 7-0 on the Cleveland Indians in the top of the fourth inning. Jake Arrieta is throwing a no-hitter. He's given up one walk out of the ten batters he's faced. He struck out five of them. Josh Tomlin only went two and one-third innings as he was pitching on short rest. As the same will go tomorrow if there is a Game 7 and a not a heroic comeback by the Indians, as they would have uh, Kluber pitching for them. What is going on with the Tribe the last two games? And can you see if it goes Game 7, who do you have with the two best pitchers for both teams? It will be Kyle Hendricks and Corey Kluber going head-to-head. Um, well, I'll tell you what's happening with the Indians right now. It's it's the same thing that happened with Golden State. They get too cocky, up 3-1. They don't actually think that it'll take that much to, to put this series away. Well, the Cubs are fired up. They haven't won the World Series since 1908. These Chicago fans are crazy. Won the last two in Chicago. Uh, excuse me. Won the la- one last game in Chicago. C- comes to Cleveland. Uh, win wins another one. This this team is on a roll and Cleveland's shaking in their boots right now. I think that Cleveland will get it done in game 7. Corey Kluber has been the best pitcher for them in the throughout almost the entire season. Definitely in the postseason. He's won both of his games. They uh or both has he won all of his he's last two, He's 2 and 0 in the World Series. 2 and 0 in the World Series. Yeah. ERA of .75. Kyle Hendricks possibly the NL Cy Young winner. Had the no decision in Game 3, but he went five-plus strong innings and didn't give up a run, so his ERA is also at zero. They're all below one, which is great. This is going to be the unbelievable Game 7 matchup if it is how it's supposed to come out on paper. I will be going up for it if it does go Game 7. Hopefully, Mom, you're listening, you can put some money in my bank account. Uh, it should be an exciting night. Neither of these teams are my teams. I am a Cincinnati Red heart, or diehard fan through and through. But just to see history and say you were there in Cleveland during that night, whether the Cubs win or the Indians win, is going to be amazing. As I thought it was going to be Cleveland in five, I was wrong. Last game was a 3-2 nail-binding game uh, five finish by the Cubs winning at home. This whole series has been incredible. But if you're Cleveland fans, you are right. They are shaking in their boots. Two things. One, if you're a Cavs fan and you were tweeting out the the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead, I know you're sitting right now looking at your Twitter account saying, wow, Karma can come back and bite me right in the ass here. And you know what? It possibly could. I'm pulling for the Indians, and I hope that doesn't happen to them just for the pure fact of I follow a lot of them on Twitter, and it would be really, really depressing as it is every Sunday for the Browns. But I don't know. It's going to be a coin toss tomorrow. Yeah, it depends on who shows up pitching. 
I think especially if this team if if the Indians lose this game, which it looks like they will midway through the fourth, down seven right here, Francona is going to have a serious talk with them. They they are going to get in shape with their best pitcher pitching. I think they're going to come out game seven at home, lock down, and win that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. Obviously, being at home, the pressure is added to you even more. Uh, we saw that a couple years ago in game seven in KC that uh, San Francisco was – Visiting them, they lost the All-Star game, and they ended up winning there because they – I mean, I think the the road team have less pressure. The, the fans are obviously behind your home team, and you're trying to pull them to victory. But we saw it in the first inning. That ball with two outs to Naquin fell in between him, and it should have been – You're and I understand you're the center fielder, and you might not be the oldest guy or the best guy on the team, but you're center fielder. You're the captain of the field on defense. you got to call that ball off and say something – Got caught up in the moment, makes a bad play, doesn't call him off. The ball drops in, two runs end up coming around and score, three nothing. Now it's seven nothing after the grand slam. Very young team for the Cleveland Indians. Very young team for the Chicago Cubs. Again, I don't know. I really don't know. Both these pitchers are their aces. I might give the nod just to, uh, excuse me, just to uh, the Chicago Cubs because. Hendrick has been so solid, and he's only ha- only had thrown one time this World Series, and he's pitching on regular rest. When you look at uh, Kluber, and he's pitching on short rest. Obviously, if you're Cleveland, you want Kluber to be pitching because he's been your heart and soul for this pitching staff the last couple years. But time will tell. I mean, if you had a couple thousand dollars, would you go to the game? <laughs> I definitely would. That's going to be that's going to be a crazy night uh win or lose for the Indians. I'm looking at it right now and if the Chicago Cubs end up winning this series, I mean, you might have to give the MVP to either Chapman, Hendrick if he comes out tomorrow and balls out, uh maybe Arietta for this pitching performance right now, and if you flip the script to uh the Cleveland Indians side, you're going to give it to Kluber. Yeah, I mean Kluber pitching if 3 times. Cleveland or Kluber pitching 3 times. That would be the first time in 48 years that a pitcher has won 3 World Series starts. Yeah, I mean that's that's unheard of. That's inc- that's unbelievable. I mean, it's almost like a bump gunner stat of him going out there four times in the or was it four or three times we short rest he came out and pitched in the uh bullpen uh relief appearance and end up getting that huge hold there in game seven for the uh or get a saver hold i forget which one it was but anyways great job from the pitching staff on both sides coming out and absolutely putting the team on their back hitting is finally coming around for the cubs that is a scary thing if you're the indians fans but just the starters have to worry about you get to the bullpen with the tribe you got miller who's going to be not he should not pitch today he won't he he won't won't. shaw shouldn't pitch today and neither should allen so the bullpen should be ready to go and if it gets to that point i will definitely flip the coin in, in the favor of the cleveland indians Anything else to say about the, or the World Series? That's all I got. All right, well, Game 7 tomorrow night, Wednesday, in Cleveland, if the Chicago Cubs can hold on to a 7 nothing lead. Moving on to the NFL. Right now we are going to Week 9. Yes, Week 9. We are about halfway done with the NFL season. There is some crazy stuff going on, including Tom Brady missing four games this year on suspension. For Deflategate, and it looks like he's going to walk away with his MVP trophy. Is there anyone in his way? Is there any team right now look as good as the Patriots do right now? Well, you could make an argue argue you could argue for the Cowboys. I think that they sit perfectly in the power rankings, one place under the Patriots. The Patriots are to this point the best team in the NFL. Tom Brady, um, 
I, I saw Jim Kelly tweeted out yesterday or two days ago that Tom Brady is the best quarterback ever to play in the NFL. And that's a big thing coming from a outstanding quarterback in Jim Kelly himself. But it's true. He he is unstoppable. He's getting up there in age now and still throwing for over 300 yards per game. He's throwing for three or four touchdowns a game. It's just incredible numbers, and he does it year after year, no matter who he has on his receiving core to throw to. I mean, he doesn't have stars out there right now. Yes, he does have Gronk, but Edelman, he's a small guy. Um, yeah, Amendola, small Amendola, guy, small, small guy. They're yeah. all small white receivers, and they all go out and ball firm. It's incredible. Like it's uh, like you could have any receiving core you have out there, and he makes them look good. Like Brandon LaFell, for instance, for the Bengals, we got him from the New England Patriots. They called him Brandon the Drop because he dropped so many passes. He was an unbelievable star there for the Patriots for a little bit. Obviously, the Bengals get him, and now he's maturing as a number two receiver. But before that, I would never heard this guy. He makes these guys look so good in his system; it's incredible. That's true. But the Cowboys have been doing great things. They rose from 23 in the power rankings in week one, and now they're number two, and deservedly so. They, they've they been showing up week after week. Big win over the Eagles last week. They've won six straight games, their only loss being a one-point loss to the Giants in week one when they were still getting everything together. Dak Prescott has 1,773 yards already on the season. Um Jerry Jones is rethinking starting Tony Romo at this point. It, that would just be a crazy decision. Ezekiel Elliott is showing up week after week, almost averaging 100 yards per game, sitting at 799 yards through eight games. Just great things are happening in Dallas right now. Yeah, I'm looking at the AFC right now. Obviously, the second-best team in that AFC East is the Bills, and they got taken care of at home. By the Patriots, the Patriots went on the road and looked absolutely phenomenal, as always, behind Brady and Belichick. And the AFC North right now, it's a coin toss between uh, the Bengals and Steelers. I think the Ravens are finally falling off their their high horse to begin the season. If Big Ben isn't healthy, though, there's no way that Steelers team can compete with the Patriots on the same field. The Bengals aren't even on the same page yet as the, as the Patriots are. The AFC South, there shouldn't even be a conversation with any team that's even making themselves look good in that division. And then the AFC West, you have Denver, the defending Super Bowl champions. They don't have Brock Osweiler. They don't have uh, Peyton Manning, excuse me. And then Oakland sit, sitting at 6-2, and two, which is really good, except they're just too young. I don't know if they can go on the road in the very cold and crazy environment in New England and expect to win with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a young stud. He's got great receivers around him with um, uh, Amari Cooper, excuse me. And then Michael Crabtree. And Michael Crabtree. I couldn't even think of his name from Texas Tech. Unbelievable receiver this year for uh, the Oakland Raiders. But I don't know if that defense can hold up in a crazy playoff game like, as, as, as we've seen in New England. And as you said, yes, you have the Cowboys. But if Dak Prescott, can he step up and win a huge game? Last time I remember a young quarterback going against the Patriots was uh, Tim Tebow for the Denver Broncos five-plus years ago in that playoff game after he beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he got absolutely murdered. So time will tell. I think the Vikings are falling off the page. The Falcons are kind of like leveling out. And then the Seahawks are always a question mark. So I think right now you have to think as the Super Bowl comes in a, a little bit more of a picture that the New England Patriots are the front runners for sure. A couple games to look out for, though. Are your Browns going to ever win a game? Uh, I don't think so. Really? 
No, I think they'll go um, 0 and 16 this year. But the only game I could see them winning is this next matchup when they play the Ravens. The Ravens have been struggling, lost four straight. They're gonna win. They're gonna lose five straight after they play the Steelers this week. Um, no, the the, the right, yeah, the right, you're right. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So they've they've. They won their first three, but if you look at the teams they beat, they beat a Bills team who went zero and three in the first three games, and then they're pl- and then they beat the Browns, and then they beat the Jaguars. They've lost these four games. I could see the Browns beating the Ravens, but that's that's about the only chance that they have to win a game. So here I got something for you: if the Browns somehow upset the Cowboys, do they put Romo in immediately? With Dak Prescott, I mean that—that's what it would be. I mean the um, the NFL's full yeah, stories—they're always about that. That's what it would have close. to take. I bet Jerry Jones really wants that because he he wants an excuse He's to put his golden mo- boy yeah, well, yeah, in. You're paying the guy the money in Romo. You want to start your guy that you're you're giving him the uh, golden calf. You're paying him everything you got to to win you and get you the playoffs, win you a Super Bowl at the end of the year. But right now, I don't I don't understand how you even have a conversation of of switching Dak Prescott at six and one. They're three and zero on the road. That's incredible. You should go. They try to say five and five at home and try to win all your games, or, or five and five on the road, or four and four on the road. Excuse me. Go five hundred on the road and then uh, try to win all your home games and get in that playoff at round twelve and four. Looking at that game, I think the Cowboys end up coming back. They're they're only favored by seven, but Zeke Elliott should run all over that defense. Another game in the AFC North, though, the Steelers and Ravens. If Big Ben plays and he's hurt. Do you think the Ravens, obviously a bitter rival, the Steelers go after that leg of his or I, what is it? Do you what's his leg that's hurt? It's his shoulder. Shoulder, I excuse me, shoulder. I, I mean, he's just a walking cripple as it is. It's unbelievable. He plays through all these injuries. I think he's going to get banged up even worse. And then Tomlin's put in a huge situation because they don't obviously have a backup quarterback that can play. They're zero and two with the backup quarterbacks this year. Back to back losses to the Dolphins and the Patriots. And the schedule next week, they'd have to play the uh, Cowboys. So it doesn't get easier for them after this week going on the road to Baltimore. Um, I think this Ravens team is weak. And I knew that they were weak when they were sitting at 3-0 and after the first three games. The Ravens aren't there yet. They, ha- they haven't been doing... They haven't been doing great things um, since they won the Super Bowl a few years ago. The Steelers, they've got playmakers. Yes, they've been struggling because Big Ben was out. But Big Ben is a workhorse, and he will get back. He's going to come back if if he thinks that it's a good time for him to come back. I think that the Steelers team could actually win with a backup quarterback um, against at the Ravens uh, this coming week. But the Steelers will settle down. The Steelers will finish around ten and six, eleven and five, around that area, with an easier schedule coming up to finish the season, and they'll make the playoffs. And look out for the Steelers team because they've got insane playmakers on offense with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, and they've got a decent defense to come with it too. This Steelers team is dangerous, and I think that they are possibly the second best team in the AFC behind maybe Denver. But that'd be arguable, depending on who, if Big Ben is playing, etc. I mean, this team, you cannot count this team out, and you shouldn't, because they've already gone through the thick of their schedule. All right, so I'm going to name a game here, and you're going to tell me why I'm even talking about this game here. Right now, the uh, New York Jets just beat your Browns uh, by a couple points. They go on the road to the Miami Dolphins. Why do you think I got the game circled? Um, Well... The Dolphins have been hot lately. Who is hot on the Dolphins? 
Jay Ajayi, the running back right now. He's had two games in a row with 200-plus yards. He's going for the NFL record. Can he get it done against the New York Jets? He's been huh. an unbelievable pickup for all fantasy owners around the league, including myself. They had the bye last week, so he's all rested up and healthy. I mean, the guy's incredible. He had uh, two. He had a couple touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. The guy's a workhorse. He came from Boise State. Boise State lost last week, but uh, right now the Dolphins are hot with Ajayi running the ball for them. Uh, they just had uh, their running back, uh, Adrian Foster, retire because obviously he's running too, the run of the ball too hot and he's not getting any playing time. Do you think a running back can go three weeks in a row with getting 200-plus yards and break that NFL record? Well, they're playing the right team to get that done. I mean, the Jets' the Jets' pass defense is all right, but the Jets' run defense has been terrible, and the Jets' offense has been terrible. I think that the Dolphins will take care of the Jets um, at home, and I don't know if he runs for 200 yards. That'd be, that would be crazy. I think – I mean, those sort of things happen. Uh, Chad Obganaya – <laughs> for the Browns a few years ago, rushed for 287 yards, and that was a franchise record. You know, freak things happen like this. Will Jay stay around? We don't know. We will see. I don't know. I'm hoping. Here's the last two weeks here. I got the stats pulled up. He ran at home against Pittsburgh, 25 carries, 204 yards, two touchdowns. And then last week, or two weeks ago, excuse me, against Buffalo, 28 carries, 214 yards, a touchdown. I mean, the guy does it all, though. He, I mean, in my opinion, if there's any ever to have a bye week in a season for a running back, it would be there after having two 200-plus yards, give yourself a break after touching the ball 53 times two weeks before. I'm rooting for the guy. That would be an incredible story to see. Like, tell your kids, you know what, a guy in the NFL rushed for 600 yards plus in back-to-back-to-back weeks, unheard of. Good for him and good luck to Ajayi moving forward. Uh, last game I want to look at before we switch subject to the NBA, a battle on NBC Sunday Night Football. The Broncos take on the Raiders, six and two and six and two. Denver on the road, but favored by a point. Can young Derek Carr finally overcome the Goliath in that division as he's been around the NFL for just one short year and take over a division lead against the defending Super Bowl champions? We will see, won't we? But the Raiders, this is their. This is their time to make a statement. The Broncos are weak on offense. They've got a great defense. They've got a great running back, but they don't have a quarterback situation right now. This is the time that the Raiders can take advantage of the Broncos, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did. The Raiders are so good on defense, and Derek Carr is great on offense. He's got two huge uh, huge weapons on offense with Crabtree and, uh, help me out. And, and Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper, thank you. Um, the Raiders, this might not be their year, but they've got a young, talented team. And if they want to start, if they want to prove themselves as one of the best teams in the AFC, maybe the NFL, then they need to win this week. And I think that the the people who made this line, the only a one-point line, know that th- that this is the time that the Broncos can be beat. This is the time for the Raiders to take advantage of the Broncos right here, and I think they can, and I think they will. Yeah, I was very surprised last week. Oakland went into this uh, Tampa Bay and got a huge victory. Now they're coming back home, going all the way across the uh, great country of America and facing off against the Broncos. I think they'll be fine. I think Derek Carr's been waiting for this game. Lights going to be on you, bud. Sunday night, I think they cover that spread and win that game. 
by at least a touchdown. Good luck to the Oakland Raiders. The last subject before we wrap things up, the NBA got oh, started just a week ago right before that first pitch of the World Series. They had the ring ceremony for uh, LeBron James and company in Cleveland. Who are your favorites and why in the NBA this 2016 and 17 season? Well, I love the Cavaliers. If you have seen them progress through the few years, uh, this season is the best that they could be. And they could run into a couple uh, couple speed bumps with the Spurs and definitely the Warriors. But the Cavs are hot right now, and don't count them out because – this team is clicking. They've got they were they just won a championship last year. They know that they can do it again this year and everything is gelling for them. They've played great through their first three games, sitting at number one in the NBA power rankings, three and zero, obviously. As as for the Golden State Warriors, they should be scared of San Antonio. Golden State, by getting Kevin Durant. Is a big four better than a big three? I do not know because Kevin Durant is taking Steph Curry's spot as being the number one player on this team. If you look at the, if you look at the past, if if you look at the three games that they've played, they're sitting at two and one overall right now. Kevin Durant has led the team in scoring in every single one of those games. That used to be Curry's job. I don't know this. If they can get everything clicking, which I think they will, if this team sticks together for in, in the next few years then this will be possibly the best team of all time. But they haven't got stuff clicking yet. We're only three games in. We're only three games in. But we'll see. Is all a big right. four better than a big three? So we look at it in Miami a couple years ago, 2010, when LeBron got his whole squad going there with the Heat and South Beach. It took them a while to get things rolling. The same thing. You don't have the chemistry yet with uh, Durant, Curry, Thompson, and then you have Green, obviously, um, kicking away down low. But regardless, they're going to find their touches. If you watch the games right now, Clay Thompson looks very confused on what his role is. But, I mean, you haven't played enough. You have exactly three. They're two and one. They've won the games they needed to. Yes, they lost that opening night to San Antonio. But the thing that the problem that I have with the NBA is that the LeBron James could play half the games for the Cavs this year, and they'd still be a lock for four better seed in the East. The East is so weak. The NBA as a whole is so weak this year. The the talent's not there. It's it's not spread out. It's only it's monopolies. You got three or four teams total that have a chance at even making that finals. And the other two teams besides the Warriors and the Cavs, in my opinion, would be the Spurs and the uh, Clippers are the other two that have a slight shot at somehow upsetting the Warriors come uh, March and April and May to upset them and get to that finals. But if that happens, the Cavs are going to walk through the championship. I mean, there's literally no good teams in the East. LeBron James will be able to sleepwalk through the playoffs, maybe lose two games total, have ESPN talk about what's going on, what's going wrong with the Cavs. He'll be in the championship fine and dandy. It's very early for the Warriors. They're going to be there at the end of the season like they always are the past couple years. It's going to be a triple, uh, three-year-in-a-row matchup between the Warriors and then the uh, Cavaliers. No matter who's hotter at the right time, but it's just a, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. I don't understand how you can have that. Uh, you don't see this in the NFL. You don't see this in the MLB. And you really don't see this in hockey. Yes, you might draft guys. They might come up together in the, in the NHL. Uh, but you don't see guys leaving teams for less money to go win championships in the MLB or in the NFL. It's just it's hard to watch. And uh, yeah, so who do you have the MVP early season MVP or to watch out for? 
Um, well, I think it's LeBron James' year to win the MVP because if you look at Steph Curry, his numbers are going to be down because of Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's numbers haven't been down yet, but once they once things uh, level out there in Golden State, his numbers will be down also. LeBron James, this is his. This is his. He is the primary scorer on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and that's his role. He's going to score around. He's going to average around thirty points a game this year, and I think he gets back on track and and takes the MVP again. You're going with LeBron James this year to win the MVP. I'm going with LeBron James to win the MVP. I will bet a thousand dollars right now on this show and say it's going to be a cakewalk for Russell Westbrook. Well, there that's the same. Nobody, that's the same th- sort of thing. Though. There is nobody else good in Oklahoma City. No one to take that ball from him. He is the point guard. He's the shooting guard. He's the center for that team. They. He is the all-around ball mover. He's everything that team needs right now. With Durant gone, he in this short season. You ready for this? Thirty-eight point seven points per game. He's averaging twelve point three rebounds per game. That is your point guard averaging almost 13 rebounds per game. And assists, he's averaging 11.7. That is a triple-double right there. Last t- last person to average a triple-double to end their career was who? Oscar Robinson from Cincinnati. But that's a whole other story. I think Russell Westbrook takes this away. I think Oklahoma City makes the playoffs as a 5 or 6 seed. And with that being said, he will hold up that trophy. But that's all they're getting in Oklahoma City without the big two. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma City is 3-0 and right now. But they played... That what that uh, they played the Lakers, the Suns, and the Seventy Sixers, possibly the three worst teams in the NBA right now. But he's still going to shoot the ball every game. LeBron has too many playmakers on his team. He, one one night he'll score sixteen, one night he'll score twenty five. If they need him to, he'll score forty, like he did a couple times in the playoffs. But Russell Westbrook, if they're going to want to win games, he's going to score thirty plus every single night. Yeah, well, I mean, you run the risk of in- injury running a guy like that up and down the court for the entire game too. I mean. Oklahoma City's in in trouble. Their their program is going nowhere with Durant leaving. Russell Westbrook is staying loyal as of now, but we'll see we'll see how it goes in the next uh in the next coming years. I mean, how long is he going to want to stick around with this Oklahoma City team that's maybe making the playoffs with a 7, 6, 8 seed uh year after year? I don't know. We'll see. CNBA if they get paid, they're happy. That's pretty much it. And only the guys that want to win rings will take less money and move somewhere else. Is that all you got to say about the NBA? That's all I got. That's early season NBA talk with Jackson Schroeder again. I am Bobby Levine. Thank you for listening. Possible game 7 tomorrow night. That is Wednesday night in Cleveland for the World Series. You can't ask for a better better script with two teams that are dying for a championship in their baseball team cities respective cities, excuse me, with Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians. If you take a listen to this, please, everyone, share this, like this, keep promoting it, people. This is the J&B Weekly Wrap-Up.